When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Podcasts on Fifth Ave. I'm Taylor Haas. You're Danny Shirey. We're on our second episode of the off season now. It's pretty bleak <laughs> as far as topics go, but we, we do have a lot to talk about. Um, off season decisions coming ahead. We first wanted to start off with uh, looking at the UFA market. I, I I mean, before we get into this, it's kind of hard to really look at some of these guys because we don't know what kind of cap space the Penguins are going to have. We don't know what's going to happen with Jari. We don't know what's going to happen to Jason Zucker. Those are really the two the two big ones. They have a couple other UFA decisions. But, I mean, that could dictate – that's going to dictate really anything we talk about here. Well, yeah, and then the other thing is, too, is, like, they have nobody running the train in, in, <laughs> in front of office right now. So it's like, oh, like, I keep getting questions. Like, oh, are, they, are the Penguins going to re-sign Zucker? Like, oh, do they want to bring Jari back? And it's like, well, I would love to try and answer that question for you, but I legitimately don't know because there's nobody running. Like, yes, there's somebody running the team right now, but they do not have a GM right now. So all all efforts, I'm, I'm sure – you know, some of the guys in, in that are still a part of the hockey ops department right now are obviously having those conversations and, and looking into those things. But obviously they know that that's not going to be their call anyway. So it's really hard to sit here and be like, oh, yeah, well, they, they'd love to have Zucker back at the right price or whatever. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. We, we've mentioned it uh, on the last episode. They have like a team of like the remaining hockey ops staff kind of just managing the day to day operations. It's Alex Shaw, the director of Hockey ups. He's he's the salary cap guy. Eric Heasley, Wilkes-Barre's GM. Andy Socher, um, hockey operations analyst, used to be the video coach. And then Mike Sullivan helping. There's not a whole lot that needs to be done. I, I don't know what kind of power they actually have. They definitely don't have the power to be signing like Jason Zucker to a long-term deal. If it's something like uh, re-signing Philip Allender to like a you know one-year deal, then maybe. But anyway. Moving on. Look at the UFA market to start off because we were just talking about Jari. The goalie market is Jari's probably the number one guy out there. Yeah, the the only other guy like aside from Freddie Jari Anderson. is Freddie Anderson. Yeah. yeah, but then you look and it's like, well, Anderson's kind of literally just like an older version of Jari. <laughs> like his his performance is kind of like up and down. You got to worry about him like kind of shining through at those key times. But also he over the past couple of seasons, he's dealt with his fair share of injuries as well. So you look and it's like, okay, maybe you could get by by just saying, oh, well, we didn't bring Jari back. But then you really look at like actually what the two goalies are. They're they're very, very similar in my eyes. Yeah, it's it's a lot of older guys like like Jonathan Quick. Uh, is the, if, if they're we talked about this two weeks ago. If they're going to get a goalie who's not Jari for next season, it's not going to be via the UFA market. Um, going to be someone like a, like a we say Soros or John Gibson. Or I know you're you're talking about Jeremy Swayman as an option, but uh, skaters. There's actual skaters to talk about. Yes, yeah, so the Skater market is not great either. There are some interesting names out there, and 
I do agree that like the Penguins first order of business, once they have a general manager, like they got to figure out what's happening in goal, whether it is bringing Jari back or going out and, and acquiring a Soros or a Swayman or, or a Gibson or whoever it may be. But I think that that's got to be priority number one. So that, like you said earlier in the show, so that they know what kind of money that they're going to have to work with throughout the rest of their lineup and mainly to address some some glaring holes in their depth. Right. Um, but one of those holes that I see right now is they've got to find a, a left handed, preferably top pairing guy that can either play with Chris Letang or Jeff Petrie. And you'd like that to be uh, maybe a bit of a more defensive kind of guy like Brian Dumoulin from several seasons ago. But if they're going to be playing that high in the lineup, I don't necessarily think that they should be targeting somebody who is like a Jan Ruda, for instance, that like their calling card is their defense. They're going to want somebody who can move the puck a little bit and maybe contribute. And I, I haven't given it a whole ton of thought, but I'm looking at a name like Dmitry Orlov, and I know he's a little bit older, but I think he can still really play. Um, I've loved his game since the Bruins acquired him. And yes, the Penguins need to get younger. I, I'm not advocating for bringing in a bunch more older guys just for the sake of it. But if we're realistically looking at their window here and saying, okay, it's, it's, probably just going to come down to this one more season. Like we've been saying that for a couple seasons now, but if you look beyond this season or, or I guess it would be looking beyond next season. So that would be what the, the 24, 25 season, by the time the postseason rolls around, Crosby's going to be closer to 38 than he will be 37. Like, are you really expecting him to captain the Penguins to a cup at that point? So I'm looking at a guy, maybe like Orlov. I feel like you could probably get him at a reasonable cap hit, especially if you told him like, yeah, you're going to come play like in our top four, mainly with Chris Letang, you're going to have a prominent role here um, and may help us make another push for a cup. That being said, there's not a whole lot else out there that really excites me all that much. Or it's like, ooh, like this is a guy the Penguins need to go get. But again, it all goes back to what the heck is happening in goal because it's it's really hard to start diving into all that without knowing. Yeah, Orlov, you, you imagine he's not going to go back to Boston just because of the, the cap issues. The only reason he's fitting in now, like Washington retains salary. Um, and that, yeah, he's, he's definitely the top left D available. Like Shane Goss is bare. Uh, Oscar Clefbaum, <laughs> Brian Dumoulin is, is among the top, like the top lefties available. Uh, Jake Gardner, it, it's and Ryan Graves. It's pretty. It's pretty bleak. Um, I I don't know what else you would really want. A, a, a goalie and a and a lefty, I think, is your number one priority. Like one A, one B. Um, as far as the skater goes, I don't think that they're going to have the cap to, to be big players with any of these guys. Um, I, 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 I think Zucker's going to come back. We, I mean, we can talk about Zucker in this segment too, but um, Zucker, he was pretty adamant that he wants to be here. He was like, I, I don't know if you were there, if you were in on him on clean but he was very forceful about that, that he doesn't want to go anywhere else. So you might be able to get him back at a, hometown discount and if it's not him then i don't know who else out there could replace him at a similar cap hit and play in your top six yeah that's my biggest thing like i'm still on the fence with zucker and like have some pretty strict parameters about like how i would want to bring him back but at the same time i'm fully willing to recognize that like I have no idea how the heck they're going to replace the the character and intangibles he brings to the table if, if he doesn't end up coming back yeah, and I know we talked about this on the twenty four seven after cleanup day, but you know people talk about like injuries um, 
as a concern with him. I'm not really worried about that because if you look back, you know, two seasons ago when he couldn't stay healthy, it wasn't like, oh, he just had all these different things popping up. It was one thing the entire season. He, he, he started missing practices that, that year back in like early December, um, maintenance days, and then he finally started missing time. And then that's when he started coming in and out of the lineup. But it was that same core muscle thing the entire season. And because he didn't have time to heal during the season. And then, you know, he has a full off season, gets better. And then it's not a problem at all this year. So I'm I'm not worried about that. Um, you have to give him more term to keep the cap it down, then do it. Um, I don't think it matters. I th- a deal similar to like what Russ has where um, like Russ got a six-year deal, zero trade protection at all the last three years because you figure the window is going to be closed by then. And then you just move on from him. Uh, that's something reasonable for Zucker. Yeah, I was talking with the around the 412 guys and, and Jesse Marshall the other night, and we were talking about Zucker. Um, Tyler specifically, he was talking about like, yeah, I, I wouldn't go over like three or four years on him. I'm with you. I don't necessarily care about the term as much, but if they can do something like Russ deal where they get the AAV, like I think I said, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't want to go like over five is my cap, but you know, if they can get them like around that or, or anything below, I would feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. Um, we'll wrap it up here. We're gonna be talking about the phase, obviously probably every week, every other week, but, uh, It'll, it'll be a little easier when we have some clarity as to what kind of money they're going to have and who's going to be making those decisions. So stay with us. We're going to be talking about more off-season uh, decisions uh, in the next two segments. All right, and we're back. The, the Penguins have only ever bought out one player ever. And it's Jack Johnson, and they're still paying for it. Uh, $1.9 million towards the cap this season. It goes down to, to just over 900000 in the next three seasons. Buyout implications are steep. Uh, it whether how, how much you pay out of the remaining contract depends on how old the player is. Um, 26 years old is the, is the cutoff for that. And it's paid out over double the length of the contract remaining. So if a player has Two years left on his deal, you're paying the buyout out over over four years. So that's how that all works. Uh, do the Penguins have any good buyout candidates this year? I don't know. We're, get, we're gonna look at a couple of the options. It it's never a great idea. Like the it the the, the penalties are steep. It, a buyout is always the last resort. Ideally, you want to trade a player first, even if you have to retain like 50% salary, just because then you're paying for it for half the time. Um, so I have four players we can talk about. The first one, we have to mention Jeff Carter. Everyone always says bio Jeff Carter. The thing about Jeff Carter is he's on a 35-plus contract. Um Thirty-five plus. We still have to talk about this. Like we still are at a point where we have to say that Jeff Penguins <laughs> are stuck with Jeff Carter's cap hit. <laughs> uh, we're gonna rename the podcast to Jeff Carter's thirty-five plus. <laughs> Maybe I'll, I'll just name the episode that uh, Taylor and Danny talk about Jeff Carter's thirty-five plus contract. No, but it is every week because it can't get into people's heads. Um, 
35 plus contract. That's because he signed it after 35 years old. Now, not everyone who signs a multi-year deal after 35 plus years old um, is on a 35 plus contract. The contract has to either have signing bonuses beyond year one or be front-loaded. Ron Hextall and all his wisdom front-loaded <laughs> Jeff Carter's contract <laughs> to, to give him that protection. So, Jeff Carter, uh, that means his cap hit cannot be reduced by sending him down to the minors, which Jeff Carter, full no movement clause, that's not happening anyway, um, or contract termination or buyout or early retirement. So they're stuck with the cap hit no matter what. Um, that doesn't mean you can't buy him out. You would just be paying him the three point, what is it, $3.125 million cap hit to go away. And judging by the fact that they refused to take him out of the lineup the entire mm -hmm. season, there's no chance that they're going to do that to him now. No, it it would be one thing if they were if they actually thought that he was an issue and they were sitting him uh, again. This is going to be the GM's call, but I feel like like they're not going to pay. It's it, it doesn't free up any cap space. It would just be freeing up a roster spot. That's not happening. Let's stop talking about it. Um, I <laughs> three guys who might make a little bit of sense um jan ruda before we get to jan ruda so we're recording this thursday um he he underwent surgery this week the penguin just announced that today um core muscle surgery eight to ten weeks uh recovery so he'll be should be fine for the start of training camp um that explains why we got uh Dmitry Kulikov playing on his offside in the finale because I that still like I wrote a column earlier this week and I was one of my bullets was like this still remains pretty bizarre to me so it makes a little more sense now yeah and, and Ruda he had two injuries um second half of the season um the first was upper body injury that's probably what this was and it had him out for about a month and he came back played about a month and then um he was out for about another month with a lower body injury. That one was, though, after the game where he took the puck to the knee. So that might be something different. So the core muscle thing might date back to, I think that was, like, late like mid-late January. Regardless, is he a buyout candidate? We've talked before, like, when you're talking about guys who might make sense to trade about how he's really a luxury they can't afford on the third pairing um, at $2.75 uh, But does he make sense as a buyout candidate? So the the way the penalties work, it's not it's not the same every year. There's like a formula, and then there's a formula like on top of the formula. Cap friendly as a calculator, you don't have to do any math yourself. So because he has two years left, it would be um, uh, you know four four years of penalties, and the savings I don't think are really worth it. Um, so right now it's two point two point seven five million cap hit. His cap hit over the next two years would be one mil just over one million. And then the last two years would be eight hundred and thirty thousand. So for these next two years, that'd be saving you one point six million. I don't think that's worth it. No, I, I wouldn't do that at all. I mean, I, I agree. Like I, I think he's an unnecessary luxury, but like his cap hit is not that bad. Like it, when you have him out there, you look and you're like, yes, okay. The Penguins could probably be getting similar value from like a Mark Friedman or Chad Ruedel at, at a much lower cap hit. Um, but at the same time is that 
I still get the sense that Ruta has like this perceived value as like a uh, multiple cup winning veteran that like plays this, uh, like, like all the things that enticed Hextall about him last off season. Like, I feel like there are still like that perception is, is at least like somewhat prevalent around the league. So if, if they were even considering buying him out, I would first be looking at any sort of trade options because I, like, I, I don't think that they should necessarily make their bed and, and have them absolutely have him in their plans heading into next season if they don't have to. Yeah. And again, you look at the savings only like 1.6 million. When you figure half of that, if you want to replace him with like a Friedman, um, he'd be taking up about half of that. It, you'd only be freeing up really like 800,000 to use elsewhere. Ruda. No. Uh, Jeff Petrie is another name uh, I see people throw out as like by this guy just because uh, he is their highest paid defenseman right now him it would be difficult to trade if they wanted to do that um, to free up cap space just because he does have a 15 team no trade list and if you look at the teams that have uh, uh, you know ample cap space for him he could put those on his no trade list and not go anywhere. And I don't think Jeff Petrie would want to go anywhere just because um, you look at his situation in Montreal being far away from like his family in Michigan. That was one of the things he said he liked about coming to Pittsburgh is how close they are to his, um, he is now to his family in Michigan. So I don't think Petrie wants to go anywhere. Um, after this season, he has two years left on his contract um, that carries a 6.25 million cap hit. You look at the buyout. Um, so again, because two years, it would be four years. Uh, and the cap hit next year would be 3 million, which means savings would be 3.25. The cap hit 2425 4.5 million, which means savings in that year would be 1.75. And then in the last two years, it would, you would have a 1.125, um, million penalty i mean if you're if you're this is some the one that would get you the most savings for next year um you know just over three million but it's it's just still one that's just very steep yeah my thing with it is is like okay yeah petrie uh, the other thing too i think petrie did he like he did play pretty poorly in my eyes like the last like month and a half or so of the season maybe two months of the season which probably had a little bit of something to do after coming back from that um, upper body injury he had and then he, he had the concussion as well there down the stretch um, but I think the thing about Petrie is that he kind of despite mostly playing well for a second pairing role maybe being slightly overpaid I think just at this stage of his career, some of his weaknesses were also just kind of stood out like in the mess of that this Penguins team was like some of the things I noticed about Petrie, like there were certain times where he tried to like do too much behind his own net on the breakout. He just like would do it way too slowly or just not get the puck off his stick quick enough. And then all of a sudden, like there's a flurry around the net and the pucks in the back of the net or something like that. So I think it was maybe a little bit of that, like, um, I don't know what the what the term is, but like this, whatever the term is for stuff that Latang does, it like makes people go crazy and makes them think that like he's actually not a good player because he turned the puck over. Mm-hmm. Um, so whatever that like itis is, I, th- I think that maybe his issues have been a little bit overblown. But then you go and look, it's like okay, you're saving a little over three million. So what second pairing right-handed defenseman are you going out and finding for that three? 
a low $3 million value that's going to be better than Petrie. Well, you're yeah. not going to. So I think the conversation and discussion just has to end right there. Yeah. Uh, saving the best for last. This is the one that probably makes the most sense. Mikhail Greenland. Uh, he has two years left on his contract that carries a $5 million cap it. Uh, and okay, so again, two years, it would be a four year buyout. Uh, his cap hit next year would only be 830000 which means next year you'd be getting a $4.1 million savings. Um, cap hit the year after that would be $1.8. You'd be getting a $3.1 million savings in that year. And then you'd have $1.8 in the last two. So just a penalty in those last two years. This is the one that makes the most sense out of all of them. Just if you look at the savings in these next two years, um, I think that would be worth it. Uh, and then the 1.8 million in the last two, um, after his contract would have expired, if you didn't buy him out, figure window is going to be closed by then. Is it going to matter? Probably not. Um, I think this one makes sense. I, I, if a new GM comes in, would they, they be willing to make that decision after just what it's like tw 21 games? I think he played it was a pretty short sample size to make this big of a call over. But I think if you look at the savings, it makes sense. Well, I think the new GM should hope that Ron Hextall has a new GM job by the time they have to make that decision. So hopefully they can just get Hextall to pay like a second round pick for Grandland and they don't <laughs> have to worry about it. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, I, I think it makes complete sense, especially we're talking about their competitive window here. And like, I keep saying like, yes, yeah, so like we got one more year on the window, we got one more year on the window, but you know, realistically it, it, it isn't going to go on forever. And you look that 4 million could be huge for them this coming season, especially if they figure out what's going on in goal, that could be absolutely huge for them. But I think the bigger thing is that there's kind of like a slippery slope of going into next season with Granlund because like even Sullivan kind of just tried to convince himself these things about Granlund because like he had him and he wasn't going anywhere. So like all of a sudden you see Sullivan like succumbing to the, oh yeah, he's got this positional versatility and we could use him on all three positions and we could use him up and down the lineup. It's like, yeah, you can, you can do that with with Brock McGinn too, if you really want to, you can do that with anybody, but you don't, you don't want to do that with bad players. And um, I, what I will say about Granlin specifically, um, the trade stunk, he stunk the penguins. And, and one of the concerns I had about his game when he came over was his defensive play. Like the, the film on his defensive play was not good. The metrics and like isolated impacts on his defensive play were even worse with that being said, the Penguins at least performed pretty well defensively with him on the ice in terms of expected goals against and goals against. Um, but then you look at like the, his history as a defensive play driver and it's just non-existent. And then you consider the fact that he scored one goal in those 20 games and it came in garbage time. It's like you, you just cannot go into next season paying that guy that much. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I would do it. Uh, and, and to your point, I mean, I asked him about his his own pl play, just how he would assess his own play. It was like, you know, maybe the la I think it was the last practice of the season. I think I, I talked to him about this because like you look at his production in the past. He was never much of a goal scorer. He was always more of a playmaker. Um, but even he, he wasn't getting like the assist here either. I think he what, finished with five, four or five yeah, uh, four in this five. 
yeah, and, and there's 21 games. So I asked him just about, you know, how he thinks his time – and it, he was putting up the points in Nashville, but he was, he was also playing in a top six role, better players. But um, I asked him how he just he thinks his time here is gone. <laughs> Great reviews from Mikhail Graham about his own time here. Um, he said, like, he's like, you have to know, like, I'm playing a role, more of a defensive role. Uh, he talked about his penalty killing. Um, he he said he felt great with the way he's played here. He said obviously you would like to help the team more in other ways, like putting up points. But it's not everything, and you're playing a role. Respectfully, Mikhail, you're getting paid five million dollars a season. You're not like a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar depth signing when you're making that kind of much. Like when you're making that much money, yes, I'm, I'm sure you were given a very specific role by the coaching staff, but your role is to not just, okay, I took care of my defense. Like one goal in 20 games is fine. That's just absurd to me. Like, yeah. I, I, I get the rationalization from him. I don't necessarily expect him to come out and be like, oh yeah, I stunk. And like, I need to start putting up more points or whatever it was. But at the same time, it's like, are we just going to ignore the fact that you were paid very, very handsomely for, being on the penalty kill like <laughs> yeah and they yeah again you talk about like he can play all you know positions but they didn't even really do that they haven't sent her for like two three games um I think that, that's 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 my thing with it is like they put him at center this is the guy they went out and got that was supposed to help him get over the edge into the postseason and everything they try him out at center for a handful of games and they're like oh no not anymore like holy crap well and because you, Luke, you know, look at his, he, he was playing mostly wing in Nashville. He did play a little bit of center in Nashville this season. I mean, he played center a lot earlier in his career. Um, his faceoff stayed a little better. Yeah, his faceoff percentage in Nashville this year before the trade was like 42%, not great. Um, and then he came over, and in those couple games he played center, it was like either he's like, he had. He went like twelve and zero, or like twelve and one in one game. Like he, it was like one of the best face-off performances in a single game by like a center in like Penguins franchise history. It was like number two, um, but then he has others where he's like two and nine. So, but it, it evened out around fifty percent. I remember after that game where, you know, he had a that really good. Uh, you know, face-off uh, performance. He, Sullivan has asked, like, you know, if, if if Granlund keeps this up, could you see him being the guy you send out there in, like, key face-offs? Um, and, like, Sullivan was like, yeah, you know, maybe we'll – you know, he, he he didn't commit one way or another, but just said, you know, they like the way Granlund's progressing and maybe he could get a bigger role. The question was code for, like, could he take Jeff Carter's spot? That's not happening. So I, and if, if not that, then I don't, I don't know where he fits in at center. So, um, that's enough on that too bad. Cause he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy to talk to. Yeah. Um, I feel, I feel bad that he's kind of got like, he, like, yes, he's kind of stunk, but it's not, it's not his fault that Hextall <laughs> traded a second round pick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Granlin, I had, I had two Granlin jerseys in high school. <laughs> I had his Minnesota jersey and I had um I had his team Finland jersey. So yeah, but probably shouldn't be here anymore. We're gonna wrap it up for this segment. We're gonna come back, uh we're gonna talk about Alex Nylander. So stay with us for that.
All right, and we are back. Um, what are the decisions the Penguins have to make this offseason whenever they get a GM? Alex Nylander, uh, he's an RFA. You have to assume he's, he's going to be resigned. Um, but another decision is just where he fits next year. Is it going to be uh, in Pittsburgh? Is it going to be in Wilkes-Barre? He would have to clear waivers to go down to Wilkes-Barre next season. I think we're in agreement that he's earned a spot on the NHL roster. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, on one hand, I believe that, yes, he's 25 years old now. He's still an unproven commodity after being a, a very, very high draft choice. But with that being said, as we've discussed in the show already, the Penguins at some point throughout their lineup to address their depth, they're going to have to try and squeeze some value out of bargain bin contracts, which means finding or utilizing guys who – probably aren't all that great, but at least have some upside that maybe they can reach another gear on a somewhat consistent level or maybe over short stretches or, or flashes in a pan where they can like really exceed the dollar amount that you're paying them. And that's exactly what I see in Nylander right now. I, I don't love basing a whole lot of this off of the 50 points in, in 55 games he had in, in Wilkes-Barre, but that obviously stands out because he only had what the nine games with the Penguins and he only put, he only scored one goal and, and had an assist in those nine games. Um, but when I, after the season ended, I uh, just yesterday or well, what's today, Thursday, it was today that I wrote a, a drive to the net column on Nylander and why I think that he has earned himself a spot in the lineup. And it basically boiled down to, despite the fact that he only had those two points in nine games, we know that he has the puck skills. We know that he has the offensive instincts that over time. Um, and once he's, been given the opportunity to kind of settle into things that the production should come around. It's always been a question of can his off puck play specifically his work in the defensive zone and the pace of play um, and his processing power and his decision-making can all of those things kind of come together to make his offensive skills matter. Well, when I was going back and, and watching film on Nylander in each of the nine games he played up in the NHL, I was floored at the details in his off-puck play, and a lot of the stuff that he was doing is the kind of things that Mike Sullivan requires from players in his bottom six. Now, Nylander's not necessarily out there playing like Brandon Tanev and running guys through the wall and skating with his tongue out and going crazy bug eyes, all that kind of stuff, but... There were points in time where Nylander was like a one-man wrecking crew on the forecheck. He was extremely, extremely sound in the defensive zone, and he seemed to be reading the game pretty well. So all of a sudden, you see all these things, and you're like, okay, he seems to be taking care of business in that department, and we know the fact that he has that offensive pedigree. That all should come together at some point, and I, I can't help but think the fact that he was up and down and up and down and back from Pittsburgh and back from Wilkes-Barre so many times, like that, that's got to affect your performance somewhat, right? And then you still look, and it's like, yeah, okay, he didn't really have the production, but then you see how the Penguins performed when he was on the ice. Well, they performed extremely well. They, they were plus one in goals. I think they were up five to four on the opposition um, during his five-on-five -five ice time. Uh, but on top of that, they controlled over 60% of the shot attempts, shots on goal, expected goals, right? And that very small sample here, but it's important when you're looking at a player that, like that, it's like he's not crushing you when he's out there. Well, that's a really good thing because that was basically what 
the concern was about this player and this guy's impact. So my thought process is if you can get him back, and obviously because he is a restricted free agent, if they want him back, they can't have him back. But if you can get him back on a deal that's similar to the two-year $1.65 million deal that Joseph signed last offseason, which carries like a, an 885 $885,000 cap hit. If you can get him on a deal that's similar to that or maybe slightly richer, I don't see how you tr- how you don't do that and bring him back because I think there's a very real possibility that he could flourish in a third-line role on the right wing with the the capability of jumping up to the top six in, in spot duty. And at worst, he's probably at least sufficient depth if you're not going to have him in the lineup. That's, yeah. my, that's my rant. <laughs> agree with all of it. I mean, I watched him a lot in Wilkes-Barre. I watched him a lot, you know, after the trade last season too. I remember I talked to him, you know, maybe right after the trade because when he came in, he had a reputation for just not caring about um, his play away from the puck, like not putting in effort. Um, it wasn't that he's bad at it. It was, it was that he wasn't trying. It sounded like he was like Daniel Sprung 2.0. At least Daniel Sprung, the version of Daniel Sprung we saw here. But, you know, I talked to him about that, you know, why he has that kind of reputation. And he's like, I don't know why, <laughs> you know, I have that, that rep. He's like, I understand the um, play away from the puck. But, but even that season, you watched it. it, it he wasn't like a liability or anything. It wasn't that. But you could tell, like, the, the details weren't there. And he really wasn't, like, playing physical. Um, but then this season in Wilkes-Barre, it – was a a big improvement for him and especially with the the physical play and I remember I talked to um JD Forrest this was maybe like November December about um just his play away from the puck and JD you know point out he said he thinks like this season especially he's made a lot of improvements but especially the physical play the line he had was like He's had more hits in the last month than he had, you know, all last season combined in the AHL. And then that carried over to the to the NHL, too. So um, I wish we would have seen him more in the top six. Um, Zucker and Malkin, he got a, he got what, a couple games up there. Um, not yeah, much of I guess I wasn't surprised, but I, I was, I'm with you. Like, I wish he would have been given a little bit of a longer leash because like I just talked about, it's not like he was out there hurting the team. I think it was just one of those stretches where like the puck wasn't, when I was going through, like when he was playing with Zucker and Malkin, they were creating chances. It's like the, the puck just didn't go in a whole lot for him. So yeah. it, it, it was just a little bizarre. Like I, I don't, I'm not necessarily like on the side of the fence where people are like, Oh, like Sullivan just hates the young guys and refuses to play the young guys. But like on the other side of the fence, it's like, okay. Yeah. Like they definitely have a much shorter leash than a lot of guys who are clearly not good. Yeah. I, at least like the last game of the regular season, you and I were both talking about that in Columbus. Like this game doesn't mean anything. Of course they're going into it. Like it's a meaningful game anyway. They're trying to win. They didn't, but like that, you can't like experiment a little in that game. You can't put Nylander on Malkin's wing for that yeah, game. The fact that they went out there with Gensel Crosby rust for that for most of that game. Why? Why? <laughs> like the you got thousands of minutes worth of of data on the Gensel Crosby rust. Right. Like, God forbid we get twelve minutes on what Zucker and and Raquel might do on Crosby's wing. Yeah, I'm. Uh, they're trying to win, but it's basically a preseason game. It's basically exhibition. You're playing against a, a a team that basically has an exhibition lineup. 
It's not like you're playing the Cleveland Monsters. So, too bad. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine he gets re-signed. He is uh, arbitration eligible. I don't think that he's he doesn't have much of a uh, sample size this season to where I think that would make a difference. I don't think he'd file. Um, I think this is something that whenever they do get a GM in, they get done early. So, we'll see how that plays out. I, I'd like to see him at the NHL level next year. Maybe the preseason next year we get to see him play with Evgeny Malkin or someone in the top six. It'll be rest again up there. <laughs> uh, that's, that's it for this week. We're going to wrap it up. I think these episodes over the off season are going to be shorter. We, we were going like an hour the last couple episodes. Um, thankfully, far less to talk about over this summer. So we're going to keep these a little shorter. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, we drop episodes every Saturday. Wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Google. Uh, we're also on YouTube if you don't watch it. Um, we're on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Penguins channel, the All Penguins YouTube channel. Um, so check us out there, and we hope you'll join us next week. Thanks for listening.